1: Good morning. It's Thursday, day three of that unprecedented
2: stalemate on Capitol Hill. Yeah, and there is still no Speaker of the House. It's January 5th. This is Today. Chaos and confusion, the messy fight drags on, grinding business in Washington to a halt. We just keep talking. That's all. We talk until we get this done. Kevin McCarthy losing a sixth vote, now offering major concessions to sway Republicans, with pressure mounting from both parties and the president. If we continue down this path, I think it hurts the Republican Party. Uh, I hope they get their act together. Yeah. This morning, we'll break down the battle, where the votes stand, and when we could finally get an answer. Laid to rest, an emotional scene at the Vatican overnight for the funeral of Pope Emeritus Benedict. Tens of thousands gathering in St. Peter's Square for an historic service led by his successor, Pope Francis, a first for the Catholic Church. We'll take you there live. State of emergency this morning, yet another monster storm wreaking havoc across the West. Evacuations ordered as heavy rain and high winds in California damage homes and spark widespread power outages. The National Guard activated with the worst still to come. Breaking overnight, the man accused of killing four college students arrives in Idaho to face murder charges. Police and prosecutors set to reveal new details in the case against him with the families of the victims anxious for answers. The very latest straight ahead. Royal bombshell, Prince Harry reportedly alleging in an upcoming memoir he was physically attacked by his brother, Prince William, during a heated argument over Meghan Markle. And in a new interview, Harry now refusing to say if he'll even attend his own father's coronation.
3: The door is always open. The the board is in that court. So
2: how will the palace respond? We're live in London. Those stories plus taking stock. A behind-the-scenes look at our unforgettable experience ringing the opening bell at the iconic New York Stock Exchange. Now that's
1: a signature. There you go. Awesome.
2: Today, Thursday, January 5th, 2023.
4: From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza.
2: Well, good morning. So good to see you. We're so happy you're with us. It is a Thursday morning. What a what a day we had yesterday! That was so exciting,
1: ringing the bell of the New York Stock Exchange. We've suggested maybe we ring a bell every morning at seven a.m. I like it was so fun, and look at all of our producers and staff. We had such an incredible moment it, it celebrating
2: was, them. Really, it was. And I had to go before I went to bed. I had to Google did the stocks will wind up up or down, but they were in the greens. So that's that's good. a Good way to <laughs> we, start. We it. didn't want to get blamed yeah. for a
1: market crash, <laughs> guys. Lots of overnight developments to catch yep. up on in this morning. First of all, the funeral for Pope Benedict it concluded just a short time ago, and tens of thousands gathered at the Vatican to pay their respects. We will have details on that in just a moment.
2: Okay, then out west, that powerful storm system, it's known as a bomb cyclone. It is hammering the region. It's causing widespread flooding, emergency rescues. We're live in the region, and Dylan will have our full forecast.
1: And in Idaho, the suspect in the quadruple murder of four college students is now in custody there. So coming up, what we expect
2: to learn today about the evidence police have gathered to back up those charges. But we are going to start right there in Washington, still no. Speaker of the House, that stalemate within the Republican Party now reaching its third day after GOP leader uh, Kevin McCarthy lost a sixth straight vote yesterday. But there is word this morning that McCarthy is set to make further concessions. We're going to break it all down. We're going to start with NBC senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Hake. Hey, Garrett, good morning.
3: Hey Hoda, good morning. There is still no speaker and no deal. Negotiations going late into the night here overnight, but it's still not clear if Republicans are going to be able to break this stalemate within their party on selecting a speaker. This as members of both parties get more frustrated to be stuck in a political purgatory, one likened to Dante's Inferno. This morning, no end in sight to the chaos in Congress. A small but determined band of Republicans digging in against party leader Kevin McCarthy. He's still short of the votes needed to claim the speaker's gavel. The House all but paralyzed after three more failed votes Wednesday.
5: A speaker has not been elected.
3: The new GOP-controlled Congress can't vote on bills, form committees, or even swear in members until they elect a speaker. And that may not happen for days after late-night closed-door talks failed to break the impasse. But a new deal may be on the horizon. Overnight, McCarthy offering the rebel group a series of concessions in a bid to win them over, including a rule that would allow just one member to call for a vote to remove the speaker at any time. I think we're making progress. I think people are talking and that's a good sign. It comes after 20 Republicans opposed McCarthy on Wednesday, some demanding concessions like committee slots or rules changes. Others refusing to vote for the Californian under any circumstances.
4: I'm ready to vote all night, all week, all month, and
3: never for that person. McCarthy's allies growing frustrated with the hardliners in their party. It's actually becoming detrimental to our nation. Even former President Trump, who urged Republicans to, quote, vote for Kevin, close the deal, couldn't sway McCarthy's opponents.
6: The president needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes and it's time to withdraw.
3: President Biden weighing in on the fight on Capitol Hill.
7: I just think it's a little embarrassing. And the rest of the world looking. They're looking at, you
3: know, we get our act together. And overnight, the last person to hold the speaker's job offering this advice to McCarthy. Just get it done. Among the other concessions Kevin McCarthy offered to those 20 who voted against him are seats on the powerful Rules Committee, which determines what, if anything, comes to the floor, and an agreement not to interfere in open primaries where Republicans could face other Republicans. The House comes back into session at noon today, and we'll see if it's enough to move any votes. Savannah? All
1: right, Garrett. Thank you. That brings us to national political correspondent Steve Kornacki with us here at the big board with A the closer look at what the numbers all mean. I, okay. Day three, the latest <laughs> episode of the the real lawmakers of Capitol Hill. There was this vote yesterday to adjourn. Okay. Right. This sounds kind of wonky. Yeah. Why does this vote matter? What did it signal about where McCarthy is and whether he's starting to see a crack in the resistance to him?
7: Yeah. Cause here's the problem right now, before they have a speaker, the only thing the house can do is either a vote on a, Speaker, just having round after round or be adjourned. So all day yesterday, McCarthy knew he didn't have the votes and wanted to adjourn. But the Republicans who wouldn't vote for him for Speaker also wouldn't vote to adjourn. So finally, late last night, about 830, the Republicans put a motion to adjourn on the floor. That's what you're seeing right here. And you can see 216 Republicans voted for it. The Democrats are in no mood to help the Republicans on anything here. They all voted against it, 210. Four Republicans voted against it for the anti-McCarthy Republicans. And so it ends up passing by the slimmest possible margin. So does that indicate that negotiations taking place yesterday? McCarthy made some of those concessions is talking about. Does it mean that some of that renegade faction takes that as a sign they can get some progress now, or do they just want to get out it's, of it? I
1: mean, it's the highest number, a pro-McCarthy position, which right. was just adjourned, just to stop for the night, got 216. So maybe it's a sign of progress for him. Let's go to that last ballot, the sixth ballot. I mean, essentially, it's been the same thing over and over again. Yeah. How many votes does McCarthy have to pick up of these 1920 defectors to win the speakership.
7: Yeah, there, there isn't an exact number because there's some very technical things here, but basically it comes down to this. We just showed you on that last vote that even on adjourning last night, four Republicans voted against McCarthy. Four basically is the number he can afford. If all 212 Democrats continue to vote for Hakeem Jeffries, which they've been doing on ballot after ballot, you see McCarthy landed with 201. The other Republican nominated Byron Donald's got 20. And there's somebody voted present. This is a Republican who voted present. So you got 21 Republicans who did not vote for McCarthy. He basically needs to pick up 17 of them to vote for him if four are going to vote against him.
1: This is this is difficult. This isn't like just, you know, twist the arm of one lawmaker. He's really got to make a, a big concession here. And it sounds like one of them he's prepared to make is just that some of these holdout Republican lawmakers want to be able to vote to remove the speaker with just one lawmaker asking for it. Isn't that like having this day over and over and over again, potentially? It it
7: could potentially be. This rule, they call this the motion to vacate. It was changed a couple years ago because in 2015, it was used against John Boehner, who was the House Speaker then. It helped to precipitate Boehner's downfall as Speaker in 2015. So when the Democrats got the House, when Pelosi took charge a few years ago, she changed it. She said that half of one party has to vote. That's more than 100 members have to vote for it first before he could bring it to the floor. McCarthy said, you know, five he was willing to go down to. And the renegade faction here is saying, not even that. We want a single person at any time to be able to say, I want to vote on whether McCarthy should continue to speak. So even if McCarthy
1: wins with that concession, Lauren Boebert or whoever could wake up tomorrow and say, let's have a speaker election again.
7: Could happen any time.
2: Steve, good times.
7: Thank you so much. (laughs) Appreciate
2: it, Hoda. All right. Thank you, Savannah. Uh, Turning now to an extraordinary scene at the Vatican overnight. Tens of thousands of mourners and dignitaries gathering in St. Peter's square for the funeral of Pope Benedict XVI, the service officiated by his successor, Pope Francis, marking a first in the church's modern history. NBC's Molly Hunter is at the Vatican for us. Good morning, Molly.
8: Hoda, good morning to you. It was extraordinary to be here. It was somber. It had many similarities to previous papal funerals, but it was understated, really slimmed down, much simpler, which is exactly what Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI wanted. The dome of St. Peter's Basilica shrouded in a heavy mist this morning as thousands gathered to witness Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI embark on his final journey. The pallbearers, members of the papal household staff, Archbishop Ganswin, Benedict's personal secretary, his closest confidant for decades, leaning down to kiss the cypress coffin. Thousands of priests, bishops, and cardinals, including all seven American cardinals, and some 50,000 faithful filling St. Peter's Square. 86-year-old Pope Francis arriving in a wheelchair due to mobility issues, delivering the homily the first time in more than 600 years, a current pope has presided over his predecessor's funeral mass. Cardinal Ray, the dean of the College of the Cardinals, acted as principal celebrant. A traditional Catholic mass, but a simpler affair, as were Benedict's wishes.
0: Pope Emeritus Benedict was deeply respected throughout the whole world church, where many people simply did not buy the caricature of him that had been promoted for so many years, frankly, by his critics and enemies.
8: The whole event pared down compared to the last papal funeral of Pope John Paul II back in 2005.
7: Uh, world leaders were here. It was a a big event for the entire world. This was an event for the hometown, if you will.
8: In the last three days, some 200,000 people waited their turn to say a final goodbye, many more than expected. And today, a new precedent, a blueprint. In 2013, Benedict opened the door for Francis or future popes to retire from a job for life. And today, as the sun finally poked through from the heavens, a blessing from Pope Francis on his feet, we saw what a funeral mass for a Pope Emeritus, what a simpler but majestic send-off could look like. Now, Hoda, we now know we've just gotten word from the Vatican that he has now been buried inside Benedict's cypress coffin, coins minted during his pontificate, as well as a summary of his time in office that's put in a metal tube inside the coffin as well. That cypress wood coffin then put in a zinc coffin, then put in a wooden coffin and then interred in a Vatican crypt, the same one as his mentor and, of course, longtime uh, confidant, Pope John Paul II, right underneath St. Peter's Basilica. Hoda?
2: All right. Molly Hunter Forrest there in Vatican City. Molly, thank you. Also
1: this morning, there is
8: encouraging news on Buffalo Bill safety.
1: DeMar Hamlin, the team and his family saying the 24 year old's condition, while still critical, is continuing to improve. And in the meantime, coaches and players across the NFL are preparing to return to the field for this weekend's games. NBC's Maggie Vespa has the latest for us. Maggie, good
6: morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. As you said, heading into this last weekend of the regular season, obviously Hamlin's cardiac arrest and hope for his recovery looms large over the entire league, including fans. The NFL is vowing to support its players, a goal helped by news that Hamlin's health may be improving. This morning, with teams preparing to hit the field later this week. It's such a,
3: a scary, emotional time.
6: Mounting support and hope for DeMar Hamlin.
3: Great competitor loves the game of football.
6: How is he doing as of today?
3: Yeah, I mean
7: it's all I can share is positive steps.
6: 48 hours after the 6-foot, 200-pound safety suffered a cardiac arrest and collapsed during Monday's Bengals matchup, the Bills confirming Hamlin remains in critical condition with signs of improvement, a spokesperson adding the family is optimistic. They've not shown one sign of weakness, they Haven't shown one sign of of negativity. Monday's hard tackle playing out in front of 23.8 million people. The league noting they can't be sure the hit stopped Hamlin's heart. The update coming alongside new details on Monday's harrowing moments. The Bengals head coach describing the Bills' Sean McDermott's stunned reaction.
9: First thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow and I shouldn't be coaching this game.
6: Also weighing in, President Biden, who says he called Hamlin's family, adding this Wednesday about the risks of the game.
3: I don't know how you avoid it. I I think working like hell on the helmets and the concussion protocols, that all makes a lot of sense.
6: Off the field, Hamlin's famous for his love of Pittsburgh, giving back and family.
3: I don't really do
9: too much without my mom and dad's opinion. My life revolves around them.
6: Playing at the University of Pittsburgh was always the dream. Telling the student paper last year, I wanted to give my city bragging rights. She was shopping for all the toys. In 2020, Hamlin found purpose through his toy drive, which fans are now flooding with donations. Seven million dollars and counting. Some showing support in other ways. Bills fan and food blogger Madeline Hall was here for the game and stunned by Hamlin's collapse. Wednesday, she delivered 200 meals to hospital staff paid for by people grateful for their work, saving Hamlin's life.
5: They're so thankful and they're like, they kept saying, you Bills fans, you Bills fans.
1: As mentioned, Maggie, the teams are set to return to the field this weekend. But how is this incident impacting those plans?
6: Yeah, so Savannah, right now those games are scheduled to go on, but obviously players are traumatized. And the NFL frankly told us nothing's been decided at this point. The Bills in particular have yet to announce whether they will indeed take the field against the Patriots on Sunday. And then we were inside that press conference yesterday with Bengals head coach Zach Taylor, and he told us his players haven't even begun to talk about this weekend's game. They're still focused. On DeMar, Savannah. All right, Maggie, thank you very much.
9: 716, a lot more to get to, including some severe weather, Craig. Yeah, Hona oh, Savannah, good morning. Good morning to you as well. California being hit hard by yet another monster storm, prompting a state of emergency, massive power outages, and evacuations. Known as a bomb cyclone, it's the latest in a string of back to back systems hammering the region with torrential rain, flooding as well. We'll get to Dylan's forecast in just a moment. First, though, NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer joins us from just outside San Francisco. Miguel, good morning.
4: Craig, good morning. We're in between the rain right now, but this has also been a powerful wind event. We believe gusts upwards of 50 miles an hour is one of the reasons why this gas station awning came down. We also know across the West Coast, more than 200,000 people are without power snap. Power lines have been a major issue in this rain, in this wind. We also expect more rain later on today, so the worst may still be to come. Slamming into California and hammering the Bay Area overnight. This morning, the powerful brunt of another dangerous storm has already triggered a statewide state of emergency. (sighs) Poised to deliver more daring water rescues, catastrophic flooding and widespread damage than the storm earlier this week. Today, 33 million are already under flood watches. We need the rain, but we don't need it all at once. (laughs) Overnight in San Francisco, a family rescued after a tree fell on their car and trapped them inside. Firefighters using chainsaws to break it apart. As the West braces for up to eight inches of rain, four feet of snow, and nearly 100-mile-an-hour winds in the mountains, authorities warn roads may wash away, landslides are expected, and drivers will be stranded
2: this may be one of the most challenging and impactful series of storms to touch down in California in the last five years.
4: With emergency operation teams expecting catastrophic conditions, a bomb cyclone connected to a strong atmospheric river will wallop the west. Over the next seven days, three separate atmospheric rivers could drop up to 20 inches of rain. The dumping deluge that caused this epic holiday storm has now fueled nearly 20 reported tornadoes in states like Arkansas, Alabama, and Louisiana. With the south still swamped, roads and cars vanished in Georgia. Now it's California in the bullseye all over again. Another monster storm promising misery and mayhem. Forecasters are still calling this a life-threatening storm. We expect more damage, like what you see behind me, to pop up as the sun rises here in California. Craig, this is the first, or the latest, in a
9: series of several more storms that are getting ready just to batter the West Coast. Craig. Yeah, they've just been getting hammered recently. Miguel for us there. Miguel, thank you. It
1: brings us to Dylan, mm-hmm. and that has been the story out West.
10: Again, yeah, if you can believe it, we are expecting three more, of, three more storms over the next seven days out West. So what is going on? There's There's a lot of things to explain here. First of all, that bomb cyclone, it's really a technical term that when a storm, the pressure of the storm drops 24 millibars in 24 hours. That actually happened twice with this most recent storm. So it's kind of a double bomb cyclone. So a very, very powerful storm. This is called the Pineapple Express. You have the moisture extending from uh, the Hawaii area, extending 4,000 miles over the Pacific Ocean and then dumps all of that moisture. It just kind of picks it up as it moves across the ocean and then dumps it all into, unfortunately, California. So, this is the setup. And until that setup changes, we're going to have to deal with more and more of these storms. So, we do have the heavier rain now stretching down into Southern California. And then as we continue through the day, we're going to see more wet weather, especially north of the Bay Area. So, that's an area that was hit hard yesterday. And we could see another several inches of rain in that spot. We could see rainfall rates of about one to two inches per hour, rainfall totals up to about three to five inches. The ground is totally saturated. So, flooding is likely. Going to happen, the mudslides or the threat of mudslides going to happen as well because the ground can't hold on to any more moisture. We're also looking at about one to three feet of
2: snow in the ski resorts and up into the mountains. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Uh, coming up, breaking overnight, the suspect in the murders of four college students arrives in Idaho to face charges, clearing the way for new answers in that still mysterious case. We'll have the latest in a live report.
1: And then the royal rift between Princess Harry and William reaching a new level this morning. Harry- reportedly detailing in his upcoming book that he was physically attacked by William. Keir Simmons will be live in Buckingham Palace with the fallout, but first, this is today on NBC.
11: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal And when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
5: When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed.
1: Tomorrow is the day of yes. return of Al. We could not be more excited. Perfect
9: way to round out the week. Indeed, indeed. Now,
1: well, let's get to your headline. 7.30 on a Thursday morning. Rick Singer. The mastermind of the college admissions cheating scandal was sentenced yesterday. He got three and a half years in prison. He pleaded guilty in 2019 to racketeering, money laundering, and other charges in connection with that scheme, which investigators called Operation Varsity Blues. He raked in more than $25 million from his clients, paid bribes totally more than $7 million dollars. So far, more than 50 people, including parents and coaches, have been convicted in connection with the case.
2: There's growing concern this morning about the latest Omicron subvariant. The strain, known as XBB1.5, now accounts for more than 40 percent of U.S. COVID cases. But so far, it hasn't led to any major spikes in hospitalizations or deaths. The White House's COVID-19 response coordinator, Dr. Ashish Jha, says the subvariant could likely be more contagious than other strains. But. Still, it's unclear if it is more dangerous.
9: Amazon announced yesterday that it will be cutting about 18,000 positions. It's the largest set of layoffs in the company's history. The cuts will mainly hit the company's corporate workforce and brick and mortar stores and will not affect those hourly warehouse workers. Amazon CEO Andy Jassy says the layoffs were set off by the uncertain economy and the company's rapid hiring over the last several years
1: let's turn out to the breaking news overnight in a case that has been closely watched the accused killer of those four college students in idaho
2: is now back in that state to
1: face charges
2: and this morning new details are emerging about the evidence police have gathered in this case nbc's gotti schwartz is in
12: moscow idaho with more hey gotti good morning Hey, good morning, Hoda. Yeah, in the next few hours, we expect to see the charging documents against Brian Kohlberger, the suspect in this case, finally unsealed. And they should shed light on exactly why police think he is the killer in this case. Brian Kohlberger touching down after a cross-country extradition flight and turned over to a convoy of heavily armed local law enforcement ready to serve him with an arrest warrant for the first-degree murders of four University of Idaho students, Kaylee Gonzalez, Maddie Mogan, Zana Karnodal, and Ethan Chapin. Overnight, authorities releasing these new mugshots of the suspect who is now being held at the Lataw County Jail in Moscow, the city where the victims were found stabbed to death on November 13th. Next, he's expected to make an initial appearance in court where the judge will explain his rights and the charges against him. Kohlberger was arrested in an early morning raid at his parents' home in eastern Pennsylvania last Friday and agreed to be extradited to Idaho in a hearing on Tuesday. His attorney in Pennsylvania said Kohlberger intends to plead not guilty.
13: He believes he's
12: going to be exonerated. Body cam footage from one of two traffic stops in Indiana in mid-December show Kohlberger and his father driving his white Hyundai Elantra from his apartment at Washington State University to the family's home in Pennsylvania. According to public records obtained by NBC affiliate KTVB, Kohlberger applied to transfer the title of that same car from Pennsylvania to Washington just five days after the murders and had new Washington license plates when he was pulled over.
9: We're we for
12: hours. It can be heard telling the officer about an incident involving a SWAT team at Washington State University. And what did you say about some SWAT team thing? There was, yeah, there was a the this- mass shooting and everything. That incident had no apparent connection to the murders in Idaho a month earlier. Now the quest for justice begins to play out in the Latah County courts, with victims' families and loved ones anxious for answers.
2: Yeah, indeed, those answers hopefully will come soon. Gotti, uh, tell us what we know about Cohenberger's first night in Moscow.
12: Yeah, well, we know as soon as he landed, uh, they they seemed to put him in a protective gear. They actually took a helmet, a bulletproof helmet, and put him on that. You can see that uh, in the distance. There was some shielding alongside that truck as well, so they seem to be taking his safety very seriously. The sheriff here says that he will be treated like any other uh, inmate. He will be evaluated. He will likely be held alone. Meanwhile, court opens at 8 o'clock. So far, they have not posted a docket with his name on it, but he could be seen first thing this morning. Guys,
2: all right, Gotti Short's there in Moscow, Idaho. Gotti, thank you. Sail so ahead this morning, First Lady, Dr.
1: Jill Biden, to undergo preventative skin cancer surgery. What her doctors are saying about that, and good opportunity to remind everybody what you need to know if it's been a while since your last screening.
9: First of Kier Simmons, live at Buckingham Palace for us this morning on a new report about a, frankly, stunning
13: allegation from Prince Harry. Keir Hey Craig, stunning is right. Let's be clear, what we're talking about here is Prince Harry accusing future King Prince William of being physically violent to him inside a royal palace. After the break we'll ask what else is going to be in the book?
2: We're back uh, 740 now with what can only be described as a royal bombshell that it
1: is just days before the release of Prince Harry's highly anticipated new memoir, a report overnight that in the book, Harry alleges his own brother, Prince William, physically
9: attacked him. NBC's senior international correspondent Keir Simmons is standing by for us at Buckingham
13: Palace. Keir, what what more can you tell us? Well, you know, Craig, in past weeks, I've stood here and said, Harry and Meghan haven't told us that much, not that much explosive about what goes inside those goes on inside those palace walls. Well, we can't say that this morning. Let's be clear, Craig. This is Harry's account of what happened. But what an account it is. In a leak that's sure to stun the royal palaces and is already making headlines around the world. Prince Harry reportedly says in his new book that his brother and future king, Prince William, physically attacked him back in 2019 during a confrontation over his wife, Meghan. That's according to the British newspaper The Guardian, which says it has seen an advanced copy of Harry's highly anticipated new memoir, Spare. NBC News has not yet obtained the book. According to The Guardian, Harry describes the altercation, which he says took place at the couple's former home, Nottingham Cottage in Kensington Palace. Harry writes that William wanted to talk about the whole rolling catastrophe of their relationship and struggles with the press. He described William as piping hot with anger and calling his wife, Meghan, difficult, rude and abrasive. Harry says he accused his brother of acting like an heir who was not able to understand why his younger brother was not content to be a spare. Then, according to The Guardian, Harry says his brother called me another name, then came at me. It all happened so fast, so very fast. He grabbed me by the collar, ripping my necklace, and he knocked me to the floor. Adding, I landed in the dog's bowl, which cracked under my back, the pieces cutting into me. I lay there for a moment, dazed, then got to my feet and told him to get out. The leaked excerpt goes on to say Prince William left, but came back later, looking regretful and apologised. According to The Guardian, Harry says, as his brother walked out again, he turned and called back, You don't need to tell Meg about this. You mean that you attacked me? I didn't attack you, Harold. And this morning, a new clip, previewing an interview with Prince Harry that will be broadcast on Britain's ITV. Despite it all, Prince Harry indicating he may be open to attending the King's coronation later this year. Harry also appearing to say he wants reconciliation. But this morning, it's even harder to see how that is now possible. And this morning, Craig, NBC News has reached out to Penguin Random House, the publishers of the book, as well as representatives for Prince William and Prince Harry for comments so far. Uh, no comment, Craig.
9: Yeah, they really are spilling all the tea here.
13: I, I mean, what about King Charles? Where, did, where yeah. does King Charles fit into
9: all of this, here? Any mention of him getting involved at all with his boys?
13: There is. And, Craig, I think this really goes to the heart of one of the big issues here because for King Charles, let's be honest about it, This is a nightmare. And what Prince Harry describes in this book, according to The Guardian, is a conversation uh, that happened with King Charles, William uh, and uh, Harry, uh, where Charles stood between his warring sons. He says, Harry says, uh, Charles was looking up at our flushed faces and then told them, please, boys, don't make my final years a misery. Well, he now has years of being monarch here in the UK and he has two sons battling it out across the Atlantic, Craig.
9: Yeah. All right. Nice international correspondent. Keir Simmons, Keir. Thank you.
1: One-sided battle right now. Yeah. It's Harry firing yeah. all the missiles. We'll see yeah. how the palace responds. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's turn to Dylan and get another check of the
10: weather. Okay. And we do have that warm-up that was uh, we got to enjoy yesterday is now going away. That cold front is clearing the area. So we are seeing a little bit of light snow up across northern New England. Still fairly mild, relatively speaking, but we're going to settle into some cooler temperatures, more seasonable for this time of year. Some snow showers in and around the Great Lakes and, man, just one massive storm after another this one will impact california once again with lots of rain and mountain snow
1: and that's your latest forecast all right thanks, Dylan, thanks, thanks, Dylan. You. coming up next we are going to take you behind the scenes of that big morning boy we got to ring that bell the opening bell the new york stock <laughs> <laughs> exchange okay we had fun yeah. Yeah. we'll yeah. tell you about it right after this
11: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed
9: Welcome back as Carson joins the party. Well, this
0: guy, time yesterday, we sent Savannah and Hoda off for a little venture down uh-huh. to Wall Street to ring the opening bell of the New York Stock Exchange in celebration of your five years of anchoring together.
1: Oh, it was, was so re- fun.
2: It was really cool. You know really what? Cool.
1: On this show, it's hard to do something new uh-huh. after 70 mm-hmm. years. But this was it. This was a bucket list moment, an incredible experience. And we thought we'd give you an inside look mm-hmm. at how it all went down. Stepping onto the historic trading floor of the New York Stock Exchange, Hoda and I were ready to literally ring in our fifth anniversary of co-hosting together with the opening bell, an honor that was not lost on us. I hope that Barbara Walters can hear the bell ringing because especially at the Today Show, she made this moment possible. The New York Stock Exchange President Lynn Martin welcomed us. I would be remiss if I didn't say something about how iconic
10: it is to have the first female anchor team Mm -hmm. from the Today Show here.
1: We received medallions etched with our part in the tradition. Then it was time to sign our names in the distinguished guest books, a ritual that dates back about 100
2: years. What is that?
1: (laughs) That is not normal. No. I know. It looks like a doctor with a prescription pad. Now that's a signature. There you go. Awesome. We also left our mark on the actual building, signing one of its walls. And for me, it was a family affair, with my daughter Vale missing school, then schooling us in Finance 101. At the stock exchange, you can you sell and buy those parts of the company and yeah. I mean that's that's as good. Oh um, just getting a round of applause. Before ringing the opening bell, we couldn't miss the chance to crash our friends at CNBC.
7: Selling below what it should. Bell. Oh, my gosh! <laughs> is this the bad dash?
1: Even if we were cutting it a bit close. It the opening bell is like, we got to go. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Love you. we right come back. <laughs> we can't. We have to
9: go. They've got like two minutes to get upstairs and do this bell.
1: But we made it, arriving on the balcony even a few seconds early, with Lynn giving us a last minute lesson. 929.50.
2: We start pressing. Time now? Oh, God. Oh, we're trying to think. 30 seconds away. Don't do it. Don't do it.
1: Then, surrounded oh, yeah, by yeah. our incredible Today Show team, it was time to ring the opening bell.
2: This is Today and Go! So cool.
8: As that Craig mentioned yesterday,
1: cool. we did kind of stretch it out. They're like, that's an
2: upbringing. We're like, ding, 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 ding. It's long, yeah. right? It's long. You, you it get is. one moment, but you can hold it for as long yeah, as you exactly. want. Finally, Lynn was like this. Okay, girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the markets are open. What's <laughs>
10: more nerve-wracking, pressing the button to light the Christmas tree oh, or to ring the bell?
1: I don't know. Well, They don't well, let us press the button of the Christmas I know. tree. We're, we're, but it's yeah, all yeah, a we're left to someone
2: else. It was an amazing day. And by the way, can I just shout out, Bail, for a second? Because this little eight-year-old girl kind of owned the floor. And when she explained the stock market in 20 seconds i was shocked i was like are you kidding me Vale?" like she was amazing well her daddy gave her a good education (laughs) she said right after this she goes what was that i'm like you were on tv she She was like what huh yeah exactly as a cucumber all right guys can we just say two words what look who arrived all pretty and oh hey shania twain new music she's got a world tour and we're going to celebrate with her all during our next hour